0: We're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm
1: Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you learn about whether there's actually such a thing as internet addiction and research-based tips for getting the most out of your next vacation. We'll also answer a listener question about dust in space with some help from astrophysicist Jonathan McDowell.
0: Let's set us some curiosity. Today, we'll reveal the research behind is there really such a thing clinically as internet addiction? So there is a group of unhealthy behaviors that psychologists have termed Internet Addiction Disorder. But officially, there's no such thing as an Internet Addiction. That's because medical professionals haven't added that disorder to the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. That's used by everybody in the psychiatric health profession. The most recent edition is the DSM-5. And that does have an entry for something called Internet Gaming Disorder. The book notes that for some people playing online games, quote, certain pathways in their brains are triggered in the same direct and intense way that a drug addict's brain is affected by a particular substance, unquote. But the book also makes it clear that we don't know enough to formally classify the disorder yet. So to get back to the original point, there's no such thing as internet addiction officially yet, but it's definitely under consideration. So one person that says it is a thing is Dr. Gerald J. Block, And he says there are three distinct types of internet addiction. Excessive gaming, sexual preoccupation, and email and text messaging. He says all three of these can share four crucial similarities with drug addictions. Those four things are excessive use, withdrawal, tolerance, and negative repercussions. But according to another doctor, Dr. Ronald Pies, almost all the people who could be classified as internet addicts are usually suffering from at least one other mental disorder— And it could be that the one we think is internet addiction disorder is actually anxiety and depression. For example, one German study found that out of 30 participants who demonstrated pathological internet use, 27 of those people also had another psychiatric disorder, like an anxiety disorder. That's 90%. In other words, the internet might just be the way that modern mental maladies play out. We'll keep an eye on Internet Addiction Disorder as its scientific consideration develops and hopefully let you know what you can do about it.
1: A great way to ease anxiety is with a little vacation. If you want to get the most from your vacation, though, it'll actually take some practice and planning. Fortunately, we've got your back with some research-based tips on how you can make your next trip pleasant and memorable. First off, don't force it. A study published in March found that people who set broad emotional goals for an experience end up more satisfied than those who made specific goals. So maybe say, this vacation will be fun, instead of, this trip will change my perspective on the world, or I'll meet a bunch of new people. Don't make any concrete predictions. Another tip says you should plan ahead. That comes from a 2010 study that found that people going on vacation reported higher levels of happiness than non-vacationers before going on vacation. Remember to revel in that pre-trip high by researching activities, planning itineraries, buying stuff you need, you know, all that stuff that puts you in the vacation mindset. And here's one more tip from psychology research. If you can plan one fancy meal, try to do it on the last night. That's because of something called the peak end rule, which says that you judge experiences not on how they felt overall, but on how they ended. Try to end your trip on a high note, and we hope you have a great vacation. Today's sponsor will give you something else to look forward to. And that sponsor is HelloFresh.
0: HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. HelloFresh does all the meal planning, shopping, and prepping so you can focus on a healthier you and a happier family.
1: You can look forward to a delivery straight to your door each week in a special insulated box. It'll include fresh, pre-measured ingredients and easy-to-follow six-step recipe cards with pictures. That'll help you spend less time meal planning and grocery shopping so you can spend more time doing things like planning your next vacation.
0: You can choose from the three meal plans, classic, veggie, and family, with the option to switch between for when your tastes change. I'm a meat eater, and let me tell you, the sweet apple-glazed pork chops I made were incredible. I even tweeted a side-by-side picture of my plate next to the meal card, and even my wife was impressed with how it came out.
1: As a Curiosity Daily listener, you can get $80 off your first month of HelloFresh. Just go to HelloFresh.com slash Curiosity80 and enter promo code Curiosity80.
0: One more time, for $80 off your first month of HelloFresh, visit HelloFresh.com slash Curiosity80 and enter promo code Curiosity80.
1: We have a question from one of our patrons. On our patron-exclusive Discord server, Luke asks... I was thinking about Hubble and space telescopes and wondered how the mirrors and sensors don't get dirty or dusty or solar panels on satellites. Surely all the asteroids and collisions in space, etc., would create some sort of dust. Great question, Luke. To answer this question, we got in touch with an expert named Jonathan McDowell. He's an astrophysicist at the Chandra X-ray Center at the Harvard Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics. And here's what he told us about dust buildup in space. His audio came in a little hot, but we cleaned it up the best we could. So thanks for understanding. You'll appreciate his detailed answer.
2: So there's a a couple ways to think about this. Yes, space is big. So there is uh, some grot whizzing around, but also things in space are fast. And so you have the occasional dust particle, but it doesn't just float along toward your satellite. It goes at like 18,000 miles an hour or (laughs) something like that. And so you don't tend to get a big buildup of dust bunnies and things like that. What you get is erosion on the materials. And there's a couple things that happen. Let's talk about solar panels first. If you're in low Earth orbit, there's a bunch of pulverized satellite whizzing around up there. And so if you bring stuff back from orbit and look at it under a microscope, you'll see like microscopic craters, and then you see what's in the crater, and it turns out to be flecks of paint from some other satellite that that whizzed into it. So that's a problem, and there's another problem, which is that the very thin outer atmosphere, right, stretches out even to where the satellites are, and the dominant atom uh, at that level is oxygen. Oxygen atoms hit the satellites, and so they also erode the materials, but they also chemically react with them, And so thermal insulation gets dodgy after a while and uh, things go brown when they were shiny and so on so there's all kinds of long-term effects and in fact in 1984 the space shuttle deployed a special experiment called the long duration exposure facility which was covered with little like carpet swatches of all kinds of different materials just to study what materials survived better and what didn't. And that's, that's actually, they've continued experiments like that on the space station where they, they pop something outside, bring it back in after a year, see uh, if the paint's still shiny. So we've learned a lot about how things degrade and they do, do, they do degrade when uh, they get dusty. The other problem that happens though, if we go back to the space telescope part of the question, is if you have nice shiny reflective mirrors and you have a nice actively cooled camera chip, a CCD or other detector, if there's gunk that kind of floats out of the rest of the spacecraft, sort of gaseous stuff that outgasses maybe a bit of Florida, Everglades, stuff that, that kind of you know got trapped in on the launch pad and then is slowly seeping out, well, that's going to condense out on the coldest thing it can find. And the coldest thing it can find is your detector. So for example, on the Chandra spacecraft, we have an X-ray camera that after 20 years in space, it has a pretty thin layer, but still annoying layer, of gunk that is seeping on, it's building up year by year, and it's making us at the lower X-ray energies, the the redder X-ray colors, we can't see as well as we, we could. It's sort of fogging the detector and uh, so what do you do about that so one thing you can do is what's called a bake out where if you heat the detector up for a while then all these volatile things that like to stick on cold things will be evaporated away and you'll be in great shape again and some spacecraft do that regularly so that's one thing you can do the trick is though that then you have to recalibrate everything after you cool it back down again and There's no guarantee, depending on the situation, that the gunk you just boiled off won't just condense right back down. And you could end up in a worse situation than you were before if you're not careful. So some spacecraft do do regular cleanings, but other spacecraft like us we just live with it and go, well, we lost a little bit of transparency and uh, we still get enough through that we can do great science. So the number one rule in, in space operations is if it ain't broke, don't fix it.
1: Again, that was Jonathan McDowell, an astrophysicist at the Chandra X-ray Center at the Harvard Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics. You can follow him on Twitter at Planet 4589. And we'll put other links to find him in today's show notes.
0: Before we wrap up, we want to give a special shout out to this episode's executive producers, Mohammed Shafaz and Dr. Mary Yancey for their generous support on Patreon. Thanks for your support. Join us again tomorrow for the award-winning Curiosity Daily on April Fool's Day. Ooh. And learn something new in just a few minutes.
1: I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Stay curious.
2: On the Westwood One Podcast Network.